0: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where we talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy was created to help companies from startup to 40 million and beyond to help envision a new future, not only are they capable of hitting, but more importantly, help them design a plan and help them actually get it done. So go to 40strategy.com to learn more. I'd like to do a little shout out to Divya Parekh for our recommendation of our guest today. She's an eight-time best-selling author, a wonderful person, and I want to encourage you to take a look at her website and, and learn more about her. And that brings us to our guest's Mark Lewis. Mark is a former IBM employee, a multiple successful entrepreneur, and also a nonprofit technology executive that helped Louisiana become one of the fastest growing technology states in the US. Mark coaches and consults entrepreneurs and small businesses for success by monitoring multiple CEO roundtables each year he is a nationally acclaimed speaker and best-selling author of Give a Damn, the Ticket to Cultural Change which you could look is on the uh, my right-hand side as you look at this and uh, his work has also been widely on on local uh, local radio shows and TV as well as on ABC. In 2005 he was selected by the Governor of Louisiana as Technology Leader of the Year and was recently awarded the Marshall Klein Louisiana Entrepreneur of the Year award. Furthermore, he'll just co-found a new startup called Evolve Media AI. With that, Mark, welcome to the Measure Success podcast.
1: Hey, thanks, Carl. I appreciate that.
0: You you bet. Well, it's fun to hear all of your accomplishments that you've done. Tell us a little bit more in detail about what you're doing today.
1: Well, my main mission really focuses on two areas. One is very passionate about helping CEOs through the implementation of the CEO roundtables. It's an annual event. We meet 10 times a year, 15 to 18 CEOs get together, and I help them develop strategies and actually help them become better leaders based on multiple categories that we talk about at each session. And also, I help individual CEOs and to help them with the growth of their business and putting together what I call structure and rhythms in place that can help them grow their business, become a better leader, and also become a a better individual as well.
0: So I I love you. You shared with me a bit about what you do in the round table. I had a chance to look through that. Describe in in a little bit more detail, you know, some of like the key elements that you go through, because it's a very structured, thoughtful process behind it. Give us some more insight behind that.
1: Yeah, we basically put together this program that goes through a step-by-step process that can help build structure and surround people around that structure to help them grow their business. We start off by basically putting together a mission and vision statement, unique value proposition, and core values. Those are really key ingredients to define what a company should and how they should exist. And once we get that nailed down, the next session is really based on setting goals. I think one of the biggest problem today with CEOs, especially small businesses, is that they don't set goals because everything really evolves around that goal and putting together strategies that can meet that goal from an operational standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from a sales and marketing standpoint. Once you have these goals in place, very long-term goals as well as short-term goals, then you create this structure and a rhythm that is ongoing and perpetuates itself. And then you build a company from that that, that perspective.
0: So one of the most challenging aspects of entrepreneurs is they're like, well, I just need to serve my clients, right? I need to provide my widget, my service, my business, keep my bakery open, whatever it might be. I don't have time, right, to focus on strategies. How do you help them look up, right? And and if you may, in the classic e-myth, work on the business versus working in the business.
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Most entrepreneurs, when they start out, they have to do everything. And that's understandable, And but they're only, when you think about each individual, when they start a business, they really have a great focus on what they do best. But now they're, that focus is diverted to being able to do others, these other things to help a business grow. So once you do grow, it's really important that they need to focus on the business versus in the business. Entrepreneurs are always in the business, but to make that transition from work for working in the business versus on the business is really key to their growth. I always tell entrepreneurs, there is what, we call, what I call a paradigm shift. Once you get to a certain level and you have multiple employees, it's very difficult to transition yourself to let other people do what they do best and you focus on what you need to do in terms of putting those strategies together Working on the business—it's a very difficult transition sometimes for entrepreneurs to take. Take a hold of.
0: And in the ten meetings that you have, and you go through, and you go through these different steps, and you mentioned them some of beforehand. Which is the one that entrepreneurs most typically stumble on?
1: Well, a lot of them stumble on goals, but a lot of st- people stumble on hiring the right people to fit in their organization. One of my favorite aspects of this is the human resources, best practices and re- human resources and finding the right people to fit in your culture. And I always, the, the, I have this theme is you, you hire for culture you train for skill. And I think it's real important that you get the right people to fit in the culture because when you're part of a family and they feel good about working, they feel great about coming to work every day, it's motivational, you reward these people. So getting the right people in the right seat, sometimes that's an issue. You got somebody who's really good but in the wrong position, you got to transition them into what they do best. Those is, there's just a lot of aspects of the human resource side that is so important for building a great company. And the culture is the number one thing, in my opinion, that creates a company that can flourish.
0: You know, it's so interesting and, and good to great, you know, by Jim Collins is sitting up above me. You know, they bring up this concept, first, who, right? Then what? right which is which is kind of interesting it's a little bit backwards cuz often like people were thinking well we need to figure out what we're doing and right. then get who to end up doing it how do you think about that right because i think the biggest challenge for any entrepreneur is i'm not we're not i'm not talking about the hire to perhaps do the 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 basic blocking and tackling what they do more of a for lack of a better term a business partner on an area emphasis that they are not an expert in Right. And that's a hard hire. Right. It's somebody that's a partner or it's a key other leader or executive. And you need to focus on that culture. But what if they don't know what their culture is? You know, how do you how do you get them to understand that?
1: Yeah. Well, you define that culture by creating core values and those core values kind of everybody adheres to those core values. Can not only be dictated internally but us also externally you also have to understand by putting together a vision statement where is our company going what's our ultimate goal as a as a company and then what's our mission what do we want to provide to the environment to make us successful and then what's our unique value proposition when you have all those four ingredients together that will define what your culture can become and the core values are the key component on that. And then what you do is you hire for making sure that you 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 let people know that this is what we're going, this is how we're going forward as a company and that they need to buy into it. And that you know that sets the stage for further growth.
0: Yeah I found I, I like your answer that you had there, Mark, because when when a prospective employee, there's one thing when they're aware of that there's a future and there's a vision. That gets them excited. But when you also document who we are as a culture. So now it's interesting. There's different views on writing down your core value statements. Some people put down aspirational values. And the aspirational value is this. This is who we want to be. While others put down their core values, which is who they really are. I'm kind of curious your comment and what do you what do you recommend or discern for entrepreneurs who are going through that process of documenting their values?
1: You know, it's a unique exercise that each one of my CEOs go through. And a lot of people don't have those core values. You know, those core values it, it, that put together tell you exactly how you want to be where you are now, but also where you want to be certain core values like trust respect, um, going beyond. These are some of the core values as a team exercise. So let's say you don't have these. You put together your team and say, okay, we want to come up with these core values. What do you think they are? And you can list up a bunch of them. And then I I use this exercise a lot in companies. Then they all agree on what those six or seven core values. And once you agree on that, then everybody adheres to that. That's a, a basis for people to come together to say this is what our company is all about this is how we're going to go forward and we're going to dictate this Now, the other thing about that is what i an exercise whereby a company initiated the core values and then we had a contest said so when somebody does one of these core values you put it in a, a little a little pot and you get all these core values where people demonstrate it and then you give or you reward these people for demonstrating the these core values so it's just an incentive for them to continue to make sure that these are always in front of people's minds. I think that's kind of really important.
0: Yeah, good, good. No, I, I appreciate, appreciate your answer that because I, I've found often, you know, it is a challenge between that aspiring and who you are. And, and rarely are we fully 100% what we say, but it is, I found when when you put something down that's not true, so I'll give you an example, Mark. I was one time working with a corporation, a publicly traded company, and they put out a set of core values. And I and they said, okay, put this on your desk. This is who we are. And I laughed out loud when I got them. Because they were so inconsistent by the way we behaved, right? You know, because right. there was no, there was no clarity of oh, these are our core values, this is who we are. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We do not act in this way. This is sounds nice. And it, it makes your your grandma. Be really proud of who you, they think you are, but right. it's not really where, and so there, I've seen sometimes when, when people put down something that's inconsistent, it can almost be more detrimental than putting something that's perhaps true, but it's true to the firm.
1: Yeah, it makes them do something that they really don't want to do when, when you put something down like that, and that doesn't bring people together, so it's got to be based on who you are, and you should be continually evolving and becoming that but sometimes you might want to put it down as who you are but you may not be there yet but you want to get there and they all have to agree that's why i like to do this as a team exercise because everybody agrees to the core values then they all agree to adhere to them and that's what sets the companies apart i think
0: yeah yeah that's good Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the goal side that you mentioned. Okay, so what are the biggest challenges you see organizations or entrepreneurs when they're creating goals for the first time?
1: Again, I believe it's a team exercise because everybody in the organization ha- should have a goal. It doesn't matter whether you're in accounting or if you're in human resources. And then you the biggest challenge I have is some people set these goals, but they don't have any key performance measurements to see how you're adhering to those goals. And then if you meet those goals, you know there should be a reward mechanism for in place for those goals to be met. And that's how it motivates people. So one of the biggest issues is they don't set specific and measurable goals. You know, it's the old smart thing that you heard, but you, know, you wanna be specific. You wanna make sure it's timely. You wanna make sure it's relevant. They set goals they set wishes instead of goals. A yeah. wish can't be measured. So you got to have goals that are very specific and measurable and timely. And then, you, of course, you got to have key performance measurements in place. But most people don't set goals very well when, they, when they're, when they as a CEO, they don't. It's, it's actually amazing to me.
0: <laughs> no, it is incredible. Once again, once again, of how many organizations, like, they might set it like, we want to grow. Like, I'll see that sometimes. Oh, we want to grow 10% this year. But- right that's just once again that's just in the business activity that of course you know that's kind of like a general but like it's it's that going beyond and stretching yourself and and doing things so let let's talk a little bit about measurements again you know there's that concept of leading and lagging indicators right so the leading are more what we're we're tracking to do to complete the outcomes and then the, the lagging indicators do you talk with them about that at all about the difference between the two when when creating key performance indicators
1: Well, you know, I do, but in in a different way, because, because most of the people that set goals don't do a very good job at it, then we primarily measure what what I call it's a lagging indicator, but measure the goal based on where they are. So you also have to look at what the environment is. So when you set future goals, then you have to determine what are the factors out there that may affect our goal. Most people set goals that are easy to achieve. You want to stretch and go beyond what you think you're capable. It might be an aggressive goal, but you want to make sure it's realistic. So. The, the success that people have is when they see that they're succeeding towards a goal and they're, they're accomplishing that goal, it gives a motivation to go forward to even do better. So it's really important to measure based on performance and what you think you can do forward. So an indicator would be, well, we're doing really well, so now we think we can do better. What do we need to do to put those tools in place to help people achieve those goals?
0: So, when going through this process, does it effectively formally turn into "quote unquote" a strategic plan?
1: Absolutely, the goals in in terms of a strategic plan are most important because when you create a goal, then you create the around financial, human resources, operationals, everything gets factored around achieving that goal so the strategic plan is developed from the goal you set and each one would participate in what they need to do to maybe to be able to achieve that goal
0: you know the data says about only 10 percent of strategic plans work in general right when when they're created what do you typically see as why they fail versus succeed
1: well because a lot of people are so in ingrained in what they're doing, they have a hard time changing. And that change has to be implemented. You got to step outside the box and say, okay, I've been doing this for so long. You know, I need to make a change in order to get to the next level. And I said this earlier, people get to a certain level as entrepreneurs. It's very difficult for an entrepreneur to become ingrained and be able to run a large company. They're just not wired to that way, unless they can change how they think. And that thinking should be based on letting other people do what they do best in financial whatever, and then you continue to develop the plans and give them the tools necessary to achieve those plans. So it's very hard for them to change what they're doing because it's difficult. I I see that all the time in these roundtables, and I basically force them to do it. And once they do it, you know what they say? Boy, I wish I'd done that a while back. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think that's always the ultimate uh, compliment, right when when somebody says, "Man, I wish I'd learned this 10 years ago." You know. Exactly.
1: exactly. So
0: okay, you you have your book here, Give a Damn. I love that that title, Give a Damn, the ticket to cultural change. W- what is one of the key takeaways that came out of this book that people respond to you after they've read it?
1: Well, I think one of the key takeaways is that When you provide a service or you start to do things that are very helpful to other people, you get rewarded and they get rewarded. A lot of people look at it and say, what's in it for me? And that's not a good philosophy. I'm doing this for the benefit of other people. And by the way, You shouldn't do that without you should do it without any expectation. But in the end, it's going to come back to you. You know, one of the questions people ask me, well, what what determines your success? Well, my my success is determined by me working myself out of a job. And I'm going like, well, you don't want that. I said, well, yes, I do, because now what I've done is implemented all these structural changes, all these strategies, all these goal setting, this whole 10, 10, 10 session process process that's helped them succeed and they don't need me anymore. So now I know I've been very successful. They're going to be on their way. So that's just, I think, really important. Don't do it with the idea of what's in it for me. Do it because it helps other people succeed. And by the way, it's going to come back to you. People get it reversed. They think, well, I got to do this because this is what I want to get back. No, it works differently than that.
0: So it sounds like you just answered one of the key questions that I have. So that, that's how you measure success, is from, from the ability to, for people to come through your program and be able to manage their business or their organization on their own.
1: You know, you know, we take a survey at the end of the year, this 10 sessions, and they they you know, they evaluate me and they evaluate all kinds of different criteria. When I get like one out of five, I get 15 people and they rate me from one to five in terms of success. If I get a 4.9, then I'm like, uh, that's the best thing that they could do that. I know that I've helped. I get so much satisfaction out of do that. And it makes me happy. It's it, it just, it's amazing feeling when you can do something to help people to get to another level and help them succeed. It just, it's just an amazing feeling for me. I just feel so good about helping society and helping companies grow.
0: Now, one of the things you shared is you've been trying to do your best to expand this beyond just even you doing it, right? You've been you've been trying to make this this process, this methodology to expand. Can you talk a little bit about what you've been doing to try to expand the knowledge so more people can be aware?
1: Yeah, so what I've done is I put this, what I call a CEO facilitator playbook together because it's been so successful. It was first implemented by the state of Louisiana. And they hired me to be able to do it. And for every dollar that they spend on this program, they've actually got an $8 return for economic development, adding jobs. So I wanted to put this program together for other leadership coaches and executives to be able to take this program, teach it to other CEOs, and help them become better at what they do. And and so that's my, my reason for putting the playbook together to help other leadership coaches and executives and be able to learn these processes to help them be better at what they do.
0: And I love that data-driven part of it being an eight-to-one return, right? That they're able to measure and go, the costs that we're doing for this, we're getting eight times more value for every dollar we spend. And and you and I both know there's very few government programs (laughs) that get that type of return.
1: And it's amazing because what I'm doing is I'm helping with the economic development of the state of Louisiana to help these CEOs get to another level. And so the state's invested in this program to be able to do that. And so other I figured other business coaches could do the same thing or other economic development agencies across the country could take this program and do the same thing to help grow jobs, grow revenue and help with the economic development of that individual state. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I I love, once again, I love the heart that you have to help expand it and not just keep it from within because it is, it's great content, right. You know, and, and, and and the process helps get there. And then you combine with coach, you know, facilitating it properly, right. You know, because that's also important to help create that discovery for the attendees.
1: Yeah. And everything is documented from day one to, to the completion of the program. So I just put it all down as one particular package and all someone has to do is say, okay, just go ahead and implement it. And I would help them obviously do that. But it, I just think it's just a great way for leadership coaches to get with other CEOs. And guess what? As you get through the program and you graduate the program, it, it opens up opportunities for leadership coaches to provide additional consulting and going forward. I call I created this thing called the master CEO roundtable. When people graduated from it, they go into another level and they, they continue to interact and grow as individuals. And when CEOs network with each other, they provide such great ideas, peer-to-peer networking. And everybody has a lot of great ideas and everybody learns from those ideas when you're in the program.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a gr- very good insight you know, behind. And I do, it's, it's really is fascinating of when you do attend those meet. you know, whether you attend or you are facilitating, sometimes as a facilitator, the best thing to do is to walk away for a little while. Right. So, so they can talk amongst themselves and share, because it, it reinforces the confidence of their success. And, and it's one thing hearing it from somebody, but it's something else hearing from another peer who's, who's sharing success through it. So I love it how you do that. So
1: let's talk about,
0: since you've talked about the side of the personal side as well. Okay, so so you you once again, I love how you're trying to make a difference in the world, how you're creating a difference. How do you keep yourself on top of your game so you're able to continue to deliver value on on the personal and business side?
1: Well, I don't believe in work life balances. Now people think, well, you're crazy. So well, there's a certain part when you're going to have to work really really hard. To create that, so it's not always even. It's going to be varying based on going up. So what I do, you know, I'm. I'm very, it's very important to me to be keep, to keep healthy because to maintain, like what everybody goes through stress, right? But to minimize the stress, you got to keep yourself healthy. So I monitor my health. I work out regularly. I eat the right foods, and that all creates helps me be a better person overall. So I want to make let people know that having a, a what i call a work life balance is not so much that but just making sure that your personal life is as important as your business life you know and I, and i'll be frank with you carl i went through a process that like that and it didn't work out well for me it caused some family matters and i have learned a lot from that and i've been a lot better at it so i've been through that experience where i've had those hardships going forward but i've you know i've i've done a lot better with it
0: so I'm kind of curious what what were the things that you did when you were going through that to help what have you learned from that those hardships to I once again I appreciate it cuz I don't believe in balance really either I think it's it comes to focusing on the things that are most important right, right. On, right. on the business and and, and side so in and with the time that you have available right to yeah. to be able to do these things No
1: doubt and, you know, um, one of the biggest things for me is to be very transparent, very transparent in my work, to be honest, you know, to be able to, you know, a lot of people have a hard time admitting when they make a mistake, they try to justify what they did, even though it's wrong. And I have this part of my book says, you should never go in, you should always do the right thing, but don't justify doing the wrong thing, because in your mind, you think it's right. And, and you, when you think about that, you know, you, you do something wrong, you know, you shouldn't do it, but you say, well, um, that's okay. I, I can throw a, throw a piece of paper out my door window. Someone else will pick it up, but that's not the right thing. You wouldn't throw that piece of paper right in the middle of your room, right? You throw it in a garbage can. Those are the very simplistic things that you should really try to t- step back and be aware of what you're doing and not justifying the wrong thing by, by doing the wrong thing, because you can justify in your mind as being right communication, you know, admitting when you're wrong is very difficult for human beings, but you know, there's a sense of satisfaction that when I admit and take responsibility for that, I, I feel a lot better at it. And it's, today's society has gone down the tubes that way. And, you know, I wish people would be more cognizant of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, talk about the personal. So, how do you measure success in your personal life now? How do you how do you measure success in the things that you're doing on a regular basis to make sure that you feel you're on cue on a regular basis?
1: So, probably about ten years ago, I married my second wife, and she taught me a lot about how important family is and to step back from work sometimes. And I always look to uh, say to myself, you know, I I have a sense of urgency, but can something like this wait twenty four hours? And I go back and I don't always, I want people to understand I'm very interested in helping them out, but sometimes family is important to me. I learned that from my current wife and got a lot better at it. Whereas before I used my work as a way to avoid family and the conflict that I was having and I didn't communicate. And that's taught me a really valuable lesson. So I just you know, again, you and I talk about family and personal family and uh, business life. There is not a balance, but you got to, you know, like sometimes the balance goes like this, you know, you got to weigh that factor, but going back and forth. So I've been humbled about that, <laughs> to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I think many people have, you know, it's, yeah. and, and even if, even if quote unquote, we're still getting, we all have challenges, right? Through this yep. process, you know, anybody who is, High achieving one part of their life to maintain it in the other core aspects is a continuous focus, once again, on on, on all sides, on, on yep. the appropriate sides. But what it does mean, though, is we have to, and I, I don't know, there's something, we can't do everything.
1: Exactly. Well, well that's one of my biggest problems, right? <laughs> I thought I could do everything, and you, you can't, and you're right, because if you try to do everything, it's going to cause havoc in multiple areas of your life. So you have to understand it, just step back and think about what's important, what the criteria is. How do I measure success? Success isn't, you know, one thing over another. You just got to step back and think sometimes. And and I always say to myself this, I says, when something really bad happens or something really good happens, I always say, you know, it's never as good as it seems. And it's never as bad as it seems. Sometimes we just go berserk emotionally and just got to step back because when you control your emotions, you're going to make better decisions at it too.
0: Yep. Yep. Oh, I love it. All right. So i would always like to ask our guests, what is a book that you would recommend for our audience?
1: Well, I, you know, one of my favorite books is a book right over your head. It's called Good to Great. <laughs> I love that book. You know, and I've learned a lot from my own readings, obviously, with my own book that, but Good to Great is a terrific book. You know, another one that I really like is The One Thing. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. You probably have that up there, too. Uh, And I like that book because you really have to focus sometimes in getting priorities in the one thing that's best for you. So those are my two of my favorite books, The One Thing and Good to Great. Specifically, you know, The Obstacle is the Way is another one that I really like because we all have obstacles, but it gives you teaching experiences. So those are probably the three that come to mind the most. Of course, mine... It's my favorite, right?
0: <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, we we. That's again. That's Mark Lewis' book. Uh, give a damn. I appreciate it
1: But no, I, I think
0: I appreciate you know. Good to great, you mentioned the the one thing is about focus, right? Yep. You know, that, that's what's so important about that. And and going back to good to great, I, I think the the part that people miss is that for those who haven't read it beforehand, it is a ten year research project. Yeah, you know, that that got to the results of the findings. And 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 that's what I think what's so amazing about it is there's very few true research-based business books. And it's one of the few. And and so to be able to understand it and recognize those principles that were learned. You know, from from the eleven companies that fit the test, like it was only eleven that qualified. It was a metrically qualified, you know, group. So yeah, I I was preaching about it, and yeah, I love I love it. And you said the one thing. What was the third book you recommended? Obstacle is the way. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's also an ex- excellent book. So yep. excellent. So, Mark, where can people find you out in the world and learn more about you?
1: Thanks for asking, Carl. I have my own website. It's marclewislc.com. You can find all the information about me and my various projects on my book and my roundtables and the playbook and, and my other initial evolvedmedia.ai with this new startup. Here I am, 65 years old, and I'm doing getting involved with a new startup. Like people think you're crazy. I said, well. It kind of gives me a passion, you know, when I do these kind of things. So you can find out all about that information about me at MarkLewisLLC.com.
0: Thank you, Mark. It has been a pleasure to have you on the Measure Success podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Well, you're doing a great job, Carl. Thank you for having me. And this is terrific for entrepreneurs I can learn a lot from you as you go forward. So thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. And, and to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening and wishing you the very best at measuring your success have a great day.
1: Thanks for listening
0: to the Measure Success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best.
1: Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.